was it bad? What was it like? Working with him, working with her. You'll hear all the tales you wish you knew. Every aspect of the theater too. Feel your love of Broadway anew. On backstage babble. Hi. This is Charles Kirsch, and welcome to Backstage Babble. Backstage Babble is a podcast interviewing professionals in the theater industry about themselves, their careers, and the people they've worked with along the way. And today, I am so happy to welcome back the amazing Joanne M. Hunter. Today, we discuss Joanne's long choreography career, including Disaster, School of Rock, and On a Clear Day You Can See Forever, all of which she spearheaded on Broadway, and her role as assistant choreographer on Broadway on Curtains, Spring Awakening, The Wedding Singer, and All Shook Up. She also choreographed regional productions of The Nutty Professor, Barry Manilow's Harmony, and Oliver. Among her upcoming projects are Super You, Love Life and Encores, and the currently running Cinderella, as reinterpreted by Andrew Lloyd Webber. So here, once again, is Joanne M. Hunter. So how did the sort of transition first happen that you decided you wanted to become? Well, did I decide? I don't know if I ever really decided that's what I wanted to do. You know, I was, um, as a performer, I was a dance captain also a lot in shows. And so I knew how to run rooms and I, you know, and take care of the show for the choreographers that I was working for. Um, one, one year when I was working with Rob Ashford, he just, he asked me, uh, I think it was during Millie, it was Millie was my last Broadway show that I performed in. And he asked me if I wanted to be his associate. And I remember thinking, I didn't know. I was like, what, do I, what does that mean? Do I have to sign a contract? You know, I said, I don't, I didn't want to be tied to anything because I didn't know what I really was going to do. I knew that after Millie, I was, I wanted to take a break from doing a long running show. So I, um, and I said, well, and he said to me, no, you don't have to sign a contract. So I started working with Rob and I loved it. You know, I, I loved being in the room with him. I loved, I loved the creative process and bantering, but I, it was, I don't think in my front of my brain, it was ever my intention to do it on my own because I loved, I loved partnering, you know what I mean? And I loved, um, also for me, I was, you know, I was nervous. I thought, well, if it's not good, I don't get blamed for it. You know what I mean? But yeah. if it's <laughs> right, but, or if not, I shouldn't say it's not good. If people don't like it, I don't get blamed for it. But, you know, but you also, I don't, I also don't get the monetary um, uh, compensation for it, but I wasn't doing it for the money, you know, and I was doing it because I loved it and I was still part of the theater, but I, I had my nights free once the show was up and running. So that's, that's kind of how it started for me to be on that end. But, and it wasn't until a few, um, about 10, I think about 10 years ago, uh, a, a colleague of mine, his name is Ray Roderick, who was a, who was a performer. We did form together. Great guy, mm -hmm. smart, clever, talented. He also a director. And he asked me if I wanted to direct a show. I mean, to choreograph a show that he was doing. And, and I thought, wow, I don't, I was like, I, I remember saying to him, and I said this to other people that I thought, why do you want me? I've, you know, I, I've done some small things on my own, but I've not really, it was not something I was putting out there. And I, I did have a lot of colleagues and peers who said I should do this on my own, but I, I have to be honest with you. It wasn't 
I don't think it was ever right in the forefront of my brain to do that. You know, Mm -hmm. I I liked what I was doing. And so I, I said to him, can I read the script? And he sent it to me. I was in Japan at the time and, and he sent it to me and they rewrote it. It was the national tour of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And I had seen the, the London company, the, uh, and I didn't, I personally didn't love love it. I loved the movie, and they brought in a dance arranger. I, I changed some of the rings, and I um. So it was. I said, "All right." And you know, and I remember thinking, "Well, it was a tour, it was a national tour." And I thought, most of probably my peers and friends won't see it. So if it's not good, they won't ever see it. <laughs> you know, and and I remember being in the room, Charles, and I was working with uh, this percussionist on on rhythms for this uh, the samba section, and. And I remember just, I loved it more than I anticipated. It was so, I, I, I was more fatigued, but in a different way than I had been fatigued before. I was always fatigued physically, you know, but because you're exerting your energy, which I loved, but this was exerting your energy and brain fatigue, you know, but it was, I found it really exhilarating. And so, so I, so I, you know, I did it and it was, I had, I had a great time. Um, but I still, to be honest with you, I still was not sure that's the path I wanted to take because it was changing careers. And I just thought, oh, my God, how is it just too late in my lifetime to change careers? I was really I was very nervous and apprehensive about yeah. about literally taking, you know, changing the career. And so that's kind of how it happened. It, it I don't want to say it fell in my lap, but it, I didn't search for it. Uh, it just ha- and then I thought, oh, I, I like this. I liked I like being on the other side of the table. I like that um, it's a lot more pressure, uh, a lot, a, a lot less work, not, not work that you have to do, but a lot less work that's available. You know, there's only one oh, yes. choreographer per show. It's not like, you know, there's 25 actors per show, but there's one. So um, that's kind of how it happened and how I thought, all right, do I want to do this? And it took me a while before I thought, all right, this is my new career, but I, I didn't do it right away. I was, I was, petrified to be honest with you I really I still am every day I am can you sort of identify the moment when it did become okay this is my main career now you know what you're this is going to sound like the kookiest silliest thing in the history of the universal world but I so I was a member I still am actually a member of Actors Equity right and um and then I became a member of SDC, which is the Directors Choreographers Union, right? And I remember um, looking the, my insurance. You know, I had to. I was like, I have to pick one. And I thought, if I give up my equity insurance, that's it. That means uh, I'm done. Or, or I'd have to find another performing job to, you know. And and that was the deciding factor. I went, all right. And I, when I remember, I thought, I'm doing it. I'm not going to renew my insurance. I'm going to go with my now SDC insurance, which means I have to work under that contract enough to be able to afford the insurance that I, I would be um, uh, applicable for. So that's, that is, that's really what it was. It was not a, um, uh, a heartfelt or an urging. It was more of a logistic thing. I thought, okay, this is it. I'm no longer going to perform or not uh, to, you know, that's my main living 
my main living hopefully will be to create. And, and that's, that's what I just, I was like, okay, this is it. I, you know, but even before then I said, oh, I'm a dancer, choreographer. I, I never gave up a performer. I never gave that up in my title. And now I say I'm more, I'm a choreographer, director, or creator more. Uh, and, you know, if I perform, that would be great, but I don't, it's not something I search for, but it, I would say I would, I'm never going to say never either. Yeah. So once you started being a choreographer full-time, do you think that you took sort of influence from choreographers that you'd worked with as a dancer? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think my, you know, I was very lucky. I had a, I had a wonderful dance teacher growing up uh, in Rhode Island who always taught me to, um, when you dance, when you perform, there always has to be a reason, right? There, it can't just be steps because, you know, a lot of people can do steps. That's boring, right? And so I always had that. And then, you know, I, I had the great fortune uh, of working with Jerry Robbins, Joe Robbins, twice in my career and um, as a performer. So, and, you know, he was a storyteller. So he, that's always influenced me. And everybody that I've worked under has definitely influenced me from, from Rob's influenced me and Stroman's influenced me and Michael Smewin, um, Robbie Marshall, Kathleen Marshall, all of the people that I've been fortunate enough to work under. Absolutely. You know, I think in, in life, every experience you have, you take something away, even if you're not conscious of it, but somehow it gets into your, into your system. Right. And then you learn and you put all those ingredients together and then you make your own pie. Yeah. You know, you, you come to the table uh, with your own point of view. All of that, every experience in life definitely influences, I think, influences you. So, and I was lucky enough to work with some really great people that I admired. And uh, so absolutely, that definitely has, has helped and influenced me. And, uh, you know, and working with, with each of them, they all had their different ways of working. And you take what you, you, um, like or that what you can relate to and the stuff that you can't you just okay I'll just I'll take that piece and I'll put it in the back of my head and and that's that's me and then stuff that's not you then you just you push it away just like like in life probably like you in school there's probably many of your teachers right and even your peers that you look up to and they will influence you as you continue to grow into a young man right I think so yeah and then I want to ask a similar question too, which is how did your experience being a dancer affect the way that you would work with dancers? Now? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, that's a great question because back in my day, <laughs> you know, uh, people were more strict. It was, it was not uncommon to get like yelled at. I remember working with this choreographer. His name is uh, Brian Foley. I, adored him he's from Canada I would train with him twice a year huge I just thought he was the cat's meow I just loved him and he would set some pieces on me and I remember him I I could I I had just fit he had just finished the number he's okay let's do it all the way through it's like a three minute number not crazy long but I was so exhausted that I couldn't finish it I remember falling on the floor because I just lost my bounce but I remember thinking I was like hyperventilating right and he was right like if I'm on the floor, he was standing, he was like, get up. He was screaming, I get up. You have to finish this. And I, and I finished the number and after he kissed me on the forehead and he said, you never quit. And I remember that, you know, but I, I don't, when I'm in the room with dancers, I don't, that's not the way I work. <laughs> Even though yeah. I learned a lot from him, I, um, I don't 
I, I, I'm not a big yeller. I don't like to yell. I don't like conflict very much, even though I will stand up, you know, but I just, um, I, here's, I think the difference with the way I was trained back in the day where you, it was very acceptable to be yelled at or have a cane or, you know, hit you. That's just the way that was, I grew up, that was a sign of the times that I grew up in. Right. I, um, I walk into a room, Charles, uh, expecting that everybody in that room is a professional. And if you're not a professional, then it's, then you let me down. You know what I mean? If you're, if you're in the room that I'm in, then I, I just assume that you know how to work, that you have work ethics, that you will give your 110% every time you're in that room. It's, I expect it. Now it doesn't always happen, but I'm not a yeller. I, if there are people that don't deliver the way I think that they should, then a lot of times they will not get hired again. Yeah. So that's, you know, so even though I, I, the way I was trained influenced me a lot and gave me so much discipline. I don't necessarily work the same way. Um, but I definitely think it was, a, for me, it was a great thing, the way I was trained. I, I don't, I don't um, have any regrets about the way I was trained at all, even though me, I think a lot of people might disagree, but I, I don't. I, I think it may, it's helped make me the person I am today, I think. Yeah. So now that you were mentioning getting hired, um, do you like to be in, involved in auditions a lot or not as much? Sure. Oh, I love, I love being at auditions. Oh. I love, I, just because, first of all, I'll, I know a lot of people. So it's so nice to see, you know, some yeah. faces and that, you know, people who have worked with me and I've worked with them and that they know how I work. So that makes it always makes it easier, right? The communication. But also what I love is when a lot of times at open calls, where, you know, there are people that are not professionals yet. They're not in the union. And then when you are able to find one or two that are, oh my God, uh, that's thrilling. That yeah. I find that so thrilling. It, in fact, it just happened uh, with my Cinderella with Andrew Lloyd Webber. Our lead, our lead, one of our leads, he came in to a dance call and he was being seen to be the understudy to the lead, right? And so we, I danced him and I said, oh, he's, oh, the under, oh, he sings that well enough that I, and I was, I loved this young man. I, and I kept saying to our director, Lawrence, I go, this kid is special. I'm, I love him. And he was just, he was out of school, Charles. He was young, just green, green. He still is green, green. And, and, um, and then he went after he danced for me, I was like this, I love this kid. And he went back and then they worked with him on the on the scenes as the understudy and next thing I know one of the assistants comes out and said the uh, my director Lawrence Connor was saying there, that he's calling Andrew back into the building to take a look at this kid and I was so I went oh I said for the role he goes for the role oh. do you know it this young man got the role Oh. And to me, I I was so excited for him, you know, to this yeah. new talent that I, I just I that to me and that I I had a I don't know if I had a part in it, but I witnessed it. It was thrilling. So yes, so a long story short, yes, I I love to be at the auditions. I don't like sending my my assistants or associates unless I have to, unless I can't be there or yeah. for London, I had to do a lot of it on zoom like this. I had to watch them, you know, and I hate it. I mean, it was great. I'm glad, but I hated it because I work so much better when I'm with you in the room. 
because it, it inspires me. So yes, for that was the longest way to say, yes, I do like to be in the room and to be at the auditions. <laughs> and then how do you sort of pick a combination to teach at auditions? Oh, well, you know, and I, I usually pick something that's um, a song that's in the show or from the show. It might not be what they'll end up doing, but stylistically. So, you know, so that I can see stylistically if they understand where I want to live in this in the, in that particular show and also I am um, I, I believe that good dancers you can tell have know how to change directions right and that's why a lot of times people that aren't dancers or movers if they they have a hard time with quick direction change so I always put that in in a combination in something I'm auditioning to see how well they can pick up. Also, I'll, I might say, okay, I want you to reverse that and how well they are able to reverse because that also shows me if I'm looking for a dance captain or swings, how, because that's a whole different mindset, right? So I always keep those, those things in mind. And, and when I, when I, when I pick material and, and movement for an audition, I, I think of that and, and quick body movement changes stylistically, just because, it, you think it's not tricky, but it's trickier than than you think, especially for people who are not movers. You know, and when I'm looking when I'm looking for uh, when I'm looking at singers who move well or who dance, but they have to still be able to do pretty much what almost everyone else is doing. You know, but they're mm -hmm. going to be hired, of course, for their vocal um, talent and for possibly understudying, you know, roles. But they have to still be able to deliver. So that's yeah. usually, uh, you know, and, but it always has something to do with the show. I really, really try to, to um, have material that's, that is part of the show, what I think, how I think the world is going to live, uh, the world that I want to live in, in the show. Yeah. And would you say that you have any sort of muses as a choreographer, like Bob Fosse, Gwen Verdon, or Michael Bell? Oh my good. You know, it all depends on the style. You know, I have, um, I have, um, a couple of dancers that I love working with. Um, one of my one of my favorite young dancers. Well, she's a mother now. Uh, Lindsay Moore. She was she just she got my style specifically for this particular show, really well. Um, a, a girl named Kristen Perot also stylistically understands my show. So, uh, and I'll use them a lot for auditions or to to assist me. Um, uh, Charles Charlie Sutton, who's not really a muse, but because he's a performer, but he also he wants he's his own choreographer himself. I use him. I like to use him a lot in the room because he's a brilliant dancer, but stylistically he can do many styles, and that's what I look for. I don't want I don't want a dancer who can just do one particular style. I, you need to be able. You need to be so diverse in your movement and your knowledge. So, it, but it all depends on on where I'm living, movement-wise, for a particular show. Yeah. So I do want to ask about one of the first Broadway shows that you did as an assistant choreographer and associate, mm -hmm. which was All Shook Up. Oh yes. <laughs> With Sergio. Yeah. Yes. Who's yeah. um? It was great. You know, we were brought in original. Well, Sergio was brought in originally to. God, I, I hope I'm getting this right. I feel like just to do a few numbers, maybe I think we oh. were brought in. And so he brought me in and, and uh, we to do, I think redo the opening. I'm going to say maybe three numbers we were brought in to, to kind of just um, help, help out with. And the next thing, you know, we did like 
10 or 12, you know, it was kooky. I, it was to come into a project that's already going and, and help, help it or, or take over from the prior choreographer who Ken Robinson was choreographer. He adored him. He's such a great man. Um, Maybe, maybe it was just not the right style for him, you know, but it was hard because they had already done an out of town tryout in Chicago. So when we were brought in, we were brought in when they were coming back to New York, you know, and your whole cast is, had worked with Ken and his team and, 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 you know, they're loyal to them. So it's, you feel it's, I didn't love coming in. I felt, I, I, part of me felt bad that we were doing that, but, um, but I still, I thought the show was, I I think the show just didn't happen at the right time because it was so charming. I mean, it's, you know, it's great music. It's Elvis. And I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the show. I thought it was fun. Uh, I thought it was well done, but it didn't, it didn't do well, but, but Sergio and I get along great and I adored him. And, and so, I, that was fun working working with him, and we had a we had a great time. We laugh a lot together. <laughs> oh, yes, and I do want to ask um at, about being an associate choreographer. What is sort of your job description in doing that? Somewhat, I, you know, what I think probably with every choreographer it might be slightly different. Um, uh, for me, like I. I do about 80% of the work before I even bring in my associates into the room. I know exactly what I want. I would know stylistically where I'm going to live. Um, but as uh, you know, when I, when I worked, when I worked with, with Rob or Sergio, you know, they, of course they had their own point of view and you're as an associate, your job is to, is to help them uh, see their point of view and their, their vision. Uh, like we sit under their umbrella, like I sit under their umbrella as an associate. So it's not my concept. It's not my vision. It's their vision that I'm helping, uh, like amused, you know, in a way to help them. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when I was working with Rob, we would work on movement and lifts and I would go, what about this? And, oh, I like that. You know, no, that doesn't work. And so you just kind of, you banter. That's what I call it. Banter back and forth, which is what I, I did. That's what I loved about being so I love that bantering back and forth, you know, with the, with the choreographer, but 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 I think an associate, you know, and I've been asked this before, people who want to assist an associate, and I go, the one of the big things you need to learn is when to speak and when not to speak. Because yeah. the bottom line is, it's not your room. It's not your vision. It is the choreographer's vision. It's the director's vision. You're there to help them see their vision and work there. It's so, it's a, and, and, so that I, I, that's what I believe. That's how I worked. And that's how I work when, when, you know what I mean? So it's you, but I would say, learn when not to speak yeah. because it is, because it is not your room to, to run. It is the creator's room. Yeah. But then when it does, when it is your room, when you are the choreographer, how do you sort of approach creating? Oh my goodness. How do I approach creating? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, well, I, I approach it, um, I always, for me, I, I, I look at script and score and music and story first and foremost, um, and I'll read it and over and over again. And if it's a period piece, I will research. Um, I, I rarely research video. I prefer to research photographs. Um, I, I did a show a while back called Beatsville. It was a Glenn Slater and he wrote it. And 
and his wife Wendy wrote music. It was it was jazz. It was great, you know, and uh, it was kind of beatnik. A, a show had never really been done with that stylistically, and I didn't. I, I was like, oh, sorry, my dog. Here's my dog. Oh. <laughs> Tony, won't you get? Oh, good boy. Come on. Um, I I didn't want to look at video because I don't want to. I don't like. I have, I said this before, I have too big of an ego. I want to come up with these things myself. I don't want to be influenced by someone else's work. So, but I love looking at photographs because photographs and images of, you know, and so I look at them and see, oh, that's a great imagery. I can, I, and then I find my way in, in movement through imagery that way. So that's what I do first. And then I get into the studio by myself. I, I, I don't have anyone with me uh, and I'll work with, if I'm going to expand the music, I'll work with my dance arranger. And I have two that I work with that I adore David Dabin and Sam Davis. So I adore, and they're both brilliant and I'll get in a room with them first and go, okay, this is what I think this art could be. And then we play with music. No, I don't like that. Oh, I like that. No, I want at this moment. I want the guys to come forward, I think. And so I, we develop the music. Once that's done, once I feel like, okay, I feel like I have an arc, I feel like I have a story within that, then I start working on physical. Okay, where am I living? What do I want to do? What's the story? What happens here and there? Once I have a lot of movement down, then I bring in my associates and assistants or dance captains, and then I teach them what I've done. And I watch them. I go, okay, okay, that looks good. Okay, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, yeah. And then then I work, and then we'll start partnering if there's partnering, and then I start playing. But but I do a lot of work on my own first. I, I, I like to work by myself first, and then I bring in my 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 team, hopefully. Yes. And how do you um, notate choreography? I don't notate anything, Charles. Oh, <laughs> years ago before video before iPhones you know where um I would every I remembered everything I have uh, and, and it's not a talent it's just a gift I was born with I have a, a really great memory so I didn't have to write anything down I remembered now I video now because because I don't use my brain that way anymore especially now as a dance captain I don't use my brain I create and then I go okay you remember I'm moving on <laughs> You know, so, um, so, but luckily with video and iPhones, I, you know, anything I do or if when I'm working, go, oh, I, okay, I like that. I'll video myself and go, I like that. So that I can go back. Oh, that's what I, I like that movement I just did. I, that feels right. And then I'll create that way. But, and then I set up drop boxes for every different show I do and share it with just with my team. And I was like, no, do not share this with anybody because it's all, you know, pre-production, but thank goodness for video. Thank goodness for the iPhone now. Yeah. So I can just, you know, everything. So you don't have to write anything down anymore. And I want to ask how you choose a dance captain out of these. Uh, a lot of times, well, I'll look at a resume, you know, and it'll say if they've danced captain before, if they swung before, mm -hmm. that means, okay, so they have that kind of mentality. They have that brain, right? Um, they also know a lot of times they'll, okay, they'll know how to run a room. I, I have to be able to, to trust them with the material. Um, so I'll do that. But then when they're auditioning, uh, like I said, I will, I will watch how quickly they pick up. I will watch if I go, Oh, just do let, you know what? I'm going to change that guys. Let's do it on the other foot. How quickly they're able to interpret that. So that, and also word of mouth, if you know, I'll find somebody and go, Oh, they say they have dance cap and swing and I'll see if they've worked with any of my colleagues and people I know. And if I'm not quite sure, I'll call and say, what do you, how, did you like them? Do they work well? Like my dance captain, uh, Billy Mitchell's his name in London. I didn't know him and I met him via 
because he was in oh. he was on vacation. I think he was in Italy. So I met him via, you know, a FaceTime uh, chat. And I know that he had done Wicked. And then he uh, and he had done maybe he had done Kinky Bro or something. So I, I think I had asked Jerry Mitchell. I said, do you remember this young man? And he didn't know him because it was far into the run, you know, but he said, but then he asked his associate over there and who gave great feedback. So I'll do, I uh, will also ask for a little research because not only do you have to be talented for me, you got to be a good person. You have to be, you have to, and fun. I like to have fun in the room. It's, it's life is hard enough. I was like, I want to be in the room. I want to be able to laugh. I want to have fun. I want, and I have to trust you. I have to trust you with my work with, you know what I mean? So that's, uh, that's how I usually try to pick them just by, like I said, looking at their resume, seeing if they have that kind of experience and then doing a little research on them. If, if I know some people that have worked with them before. And how um, technically difficult do you think that choreography should be or should not? Oh, heavens. I think it depends on the project. You yeah. know, I mean, you know, you, there are shows that are not necessarily choreographed. They're more staged, right? And so it's um, dance. I mean, my finger quotations is not really right for the show. So technically it might not be. If you, if I mean, I find a lot of my stuff is is technically you have to have technique. I, I'm a, I'm a firm believer you have to have technique to do a dance show. You can't walk into a room and not have any technique. You just so that's another thing. You know when I work with people, I assume that they have studied and the technique to back them to then come in the room and be able to pick up material. So because you're doing, you have to have technique because you're doing it eight times a week, seven times a week, eight times a week. <laughs> I, can't re I can't remember. Um, so you have to have that technique to be able to sustain. So you, you just, you, you have to, as a professional, that's your job as a professional to stay, to keep your body in shape, to be in tune with your body, to keep your technique up to par. It's your, that is your job as a professional to do that. I, that my job is to then create on you, but my job is not to make sure that you can keep up. You should be able to keep up. That's your job as the performer, as the dancer. Yeah. But then what would you do if it was something like, because of course the dancers will be able to, but if it was a lead person who wasn't able to dance, as well, would you? Well, that's a, that's a great question. I think, you know, I, depending of course, again, on the show, if, if it's written that the lead um, has to do some movement here, you know, I will, uh, that I can modify or I can make, you know, that's also the job of the choreographer. Okay. How do you make your leads look great? Because you don't want them to look bad because that doesn't do anything for the show. And in, in, in fact, it reflects on your work, right? So you have to figure out, okay, how do I make this work that they are still part of the number that, so let's say, let's say for instance, the song starts with the lead girl singing, singing, singing. And then, you know, it's written that there's a big moment of musical moment that breaks out into this dance. I don't like when the lead sings and then disappears and the dancers come out. I said, if you're going to start the number, you need to be in the number and finish it. So a lot of times I will audition the leads and they have to move, you know, and, and if, if, if a lead is really fantastic and so right, but their movement's not great, then I will work with them and I'll figure out, okay, I'll figure out how to make this work where they look good, where they're comfortable, but the story is still told. So it just depends on the, the person that you, you hire, you bring into the room like this young man in, in England, you know, I knew he could dance. And I, so I said to Andrew Lloyd Webber, I said, we, I said, 
this, I've got a, I've got a, a Sebastian who can dance. So I wanted to figure out a way to put him in this one number that made sense, not just because he could dance for the sake of dance, but to make sense. And so, you know, when you're lucky enough that your, your principles can move and the, and the show calls for it, how great, but it's, it's up to the creator to, to help your actors out if, you know, cause it, you're hiring them. And if once they're hired, you have to go, okay, how do I make this work? You know, you don't want them to make them look bad or is, is a disservice to, to everyone in the show, including yourself. Yeah. And how would you, how would you deal with it if there was a cast change during rehearsals? Has that ever happened? Or Yes, that's tricky because, you know, when you have an original company, a lot of the times your, the show is created around those people. Right. They're created. You know, if I have somebody who's a phenomenal dancer, I create something around them. Uh, and then when there's a cast change replacement. Yes. Unless they're, you know, unless you, you bring in like some kind of celebrity person, then you, of course, you have to modify if they can't move, they can't work. But um, no, it's it's I, I want I want to replace them with somebody equally as good and equally as talented for sure. Doesn't always happen because sometimes their talent lies somewhere else, and oh, well, you know what? They're fantastic, and all right, let me figure out I can make this work. You have to be, you know what? I think that you have to be as a creator, as someone, you have to be malleable. You have to be able to go, all right, set your ego aside. Let's make the show the best it can be, and what that would take to make that happen. So you have to be able to um, to bend and change when change is is needed or warranted. Yeah, and. Then I do want to ask, um, I know you were saying that you come in with a lot of it already planned. And how much would you say in like a percentage of that ends up being on the stage on opening night? <laughs> Maybe 50%. <laughs> because I'll come in with something. But then once I see and I start putting it together, I go, oh, no, I'm, I got to change that, you know, and it doesn't work. Yeah. But 50 or 60, like I said, I, I definitely come in with a story. I know what I want to do. but But the steps are the the steps are the last thing I create. The steps come easy to me if I know co concept and storyline where I'm going with it. Um, but yeah, I would say, I would say 50 or 60% will stay and the other 40 I'll throw out and redo. Yeah. And I also want to ask how um, you usually get hired as a choreographer. Oh my goodness. You know what? Um, I would say word of mouth. You know, I get hired um, or I've worked with with um, people before, like I've with with Cinderella, you know, I've worked. This will be my third project with Andrew it will be my second project with this director. So we have a great relationship. We have a great shorthand in a, in the room. That's why you find a lot of directors work with the same choreographers because they have a great relationship. They're able to they're able to um, speak together. Which great but also would, makes it hard you know why would they hire me over someone that they know really well and worked really well together so it, it's a, it's tricky but I would say nine times out of ten it's uh, through word of mouth and then and then uh, your representation also can help a lot and introduce you to new new people and has there ever been a project that you've sort of sought out like you heard about it and said this is something yeah, there's there's two right now that I want that I want to work on. I, it's funny. Um, they're making. Uh, do you know the movie? I'm sure you know the movie, the Crazy Rich Asians. Oh yes. Did I you say that? Funny, right? Really. Well, they're 
they're making that into a musical or they're, they're commissioned oh. it to him. So there's, uh, and I, and I said to my agent, I go, I wanted, I, that's, I, so up my alley. Cause it's funny. It's got some humor. I said, I can bring humor to it. So I would, uh, yeah. So I would love to get a hold of that. And there's a, another project, Devil Wears Prada, which I think someone is already connected to. I don't know. I feel like somebody is, but I also another, I went, Oh, that is right up my alley, but sometimes it's too late. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I do want to ask about another show that you worked on, which was The Wedding Singer. Yes. With Rob. Rob. I was was Rob's associate with uh, that. See, that was another show that I thought was so fun. I just wonder if it was if it was the wrong time, you know, uh, that, that it was put up because it was so fun. It was so kitschy. And, uh, I just, I had a great time on that show. Great time. Rob and I, we had so much fun working on that show. I thought it was, I thought it was fun and clever and the writing was great. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a great time. Great talent in the show. We had a really great group of, of, of dancers and actors in that show. It was really, it was very, very fun. I'm sad that that show didn't do as well as I thought it should have. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think the other show you did this way was um, Curtains. Yes. Curtains came in right. In fact, in fact, we knew Wedding Singer was closing. The actors did. We did. And we knew Curtains was going to go into the same theater. Oh. Yeah. But Curtains was great because I had, I had worked with Rupert Holmes before who I just adore he's such a great human being adore adore him and I had worked with John Kander before on Steel Pier as a performer so to work with John Kander and you know Fred had passed away at this point so that's why Rupert was the lyric doing lyric book and lyrics and um so I that was a show I absolutely love also we had I mean Scott Ellis was our director who I adored and we had um Deb Monk, who can make me laugh at the drop of a hat. I, I've done three, four projects with Deb Monk. Adore her. You know, David Hyde Pierce. You had these great, De- Jason Danielle. You had great, great people. Gr- also great. It was a great company. That that company just bonded and clicked. It was such a fun, fun project. I don't know why that show didn't do as well as I, I think it should have also. It was so fun. I thought that it was just, it was clever. It was really, really clever. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of Deborah Monk, I do want to ask about her birthday bash, which she did. <laughs> she, oh my God, she's such a nasty lady, but in the best of ways. I love her. Um, yeah, she she approached me and she said, Joanne, I want to do a one woman show and she wanted to do it for the actress fund for equity fights aids. And, you know, and, and she said, I want you to, can, will you direct it and choreograph it? And I said, oh, sure. And I was actually back and forth from LA. I was doing harmony at the Amundsen at the time. So I would fly back at home on weekends on my day off to work with her. And um, it was so, I mean, she's so clever. She's so smart. She wrote it, she put, you know, and, uh, and it was, it was so easy to do because we had, great i mean all the all her guest artists that we did i most of them i knew i had worked with so you know i like scott like charlotte um uh um andrea uh, andrea martin who else oh my god it was it was just a great group of people that would come in and so we just played we just had so much fun doing it you know and she's such a great gal And, and it was also for a great cause you know to raise money so that was that was so much fun and so 
kooky, but she's, I, I would do anything for Deb Monks. She's a great, she's a great talent and a great, great lady. And I do want to ask, when you're doing something like this, that's a benefit. Um, how much staging do you think you would want to put into it? Well, I think, you know what, again, it depends on the, the type of show. It depends on who's yeah. in the show. Now, you know, there were, uh, of of all her guest arts, there was one guest arts that would be a dancer dancer, and that's Charlotte, right? Charlotte was. Mm -hmm. But um, but it wasn't, that, it wasn't that kind of show. It was more fun, stagey dance, you know. And, and I mean, there was one point where I had Andrea Martin. I said, could you? And I was like, Could, would you like crawl under his legs? And she goes, yeah. And she came in. I mean, you know, the, you work with these people that are, I, I call them yes people, that they go, yeah, I'll try it. That, you know, and that's what you want to surround yourself with, Charles. You want to surround yourself with people that will go, oh, yeah, I'll give it a try. I'll try as opposed to no. I, I don't want to, I hate the word no. I was like, no, let's, let's see if it'll work. And I mean, Andrew Martin's like crawling around on the floor underneath the legs. It was hysterical. So that particular show was, it was more staging than dance, even though there was a little, little, little minor dance that Scott um, Ellis and Deb Monk had to do. And Scott Ellis, I would yell at him. I go, wrong foot, wrong foot. <laughs> he was great. But you know, again, it all, it depends on the type of show and who you have in the show. You know, because that show was filled with mostly, you know, actors, singers who kind of moved. <laughs> so I want to ask about a show that you did, I think, just as the dance captain, which was Spring Awakening. Yeah. Yes, I was. I, I wasn't really the dance captain. It was so funny. Um, so that when they were at the Atlantic Theater Company, right, that's where they, they started out. Um. I saw the show because my husband is a sound was a sound designer for it, and you know I wasn't part of the show. Then they moved; they were moving to Broadway, and Michael Mayer, the director who I've worked with, who I also would do anything for, called me in. He said, "I want you to." Well, they originally called me in because uh, to help them do all the special events like uh, the Tony Awards, you know, to the, the Today Show, any of those, you know, extra things that happen when new shows are, you know, Good Morning America, whatever, where new shows to get, you know, their PR stuff. And, and um, I said, okay, sure. And so I, the first thing I did was basically help them put together what we did for the Tonys for the Tony's War. So I did that. So I put together, you know, in the show, uh, if, I don't know if you've seen the show, but the show, like the musical, the, it was a great show, but there's not a lot of musical numbers that are, da-da, and then big applause. So I said, I, you know, I remember talking to Michael, I think we should do a medley of tunes as opposed to one number because there's no, there's no big ta-da moment, right? It's not, that's not that type of show. So we kind of helped, and I helped stage that and put that whole thing together, um, for for them so I did that and and a couple other special events and you know then he asked he said I want you to come in and basically um oversee the show you know and I said oh I said do I have to be at this does that mean I have to be at the theater every night he's like no 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 maybe like twice a month so basically I was the supervisor you know I came in uh, but they called me the dance cat because at that time there was no contract for that type of role. Like we don't, in London, they have a thing called the resident director, resident choreographer. We don't, it's not really as common here in New York that it is there. So there was no, 
there was no contract for that. So, you, you know, the, they said, well, can, you'll just, we'll call you a dance captain. I, I, I said, I don't care what they call me as long as I get paid. <laughs> you know what I mean? It didn't, it didn't really matter what, um, what the title was for me at that point. And like I said, I, you know, I loved the show. I thought the show was so well done. And Michael did such a brilliant, and Bill T. Jones and did such a brilliant job that I was, that I, and I loved the show. So I basically, I, I supervised, I, you know, and I, I kept the show, uh, I tried to do my best to keep the show um, as as Michael and Bill T saw the show, you know, the, the integrity. So, you know, so I put in all any new members. I was the one who put them in, taught them the show, talked to them about the show. So that was my that was my job in with Spring Awakening. But I was not part I was not the, in the cast because I was too old to be in that cast. <laughs> So um, now that we are talking about it, what do you think makes a good number for the Tonys? As you... Oh, you know what? It's funny because I remember saying to, I think it was Bill T, Bill T who was the choreographer of Spring Awakening. I remember they said, Joanne, Bill T wants to come in and watch what you're doing when I was rehearsing, putting together the, um, for the, for the Tonys. I said, oh, great. You know, and he came in and, uh, and I remember he said, well, so why are you doing that? And I said, well, I said, for the Tony's bill, I know there's a, a live audience, but the bottom line is it's not for the live audience. It's for the television audience. Yeah. Right. Because that's where you want to, you want to sell your tickets to the people that are outside New York city. That's so you have to create something that, you know, and, and for, and also to create camera angles. So I was helping create camera angles. Okay. This is where they're going to look to the camera. Right. So you want to create, I think, for the general public, um, you know, you, you want to create something that's entertaining. You want to, and you only have, I think, I think it's, they give you three minutes. It's, they're very strict on the times. They give you three minutes. So you have to put forth your best three minutes that that's entertaining, but it has to represent your show too. Like you want it to represent what the show could be about. So um, finding the right piece and, and depending on who you want to maybe um, promote, do you want to promote just this one actor? Do you want to promote, you know, um, I think there's so much that goes into it. How much time do you have to rehearse? You know, at, during Tony time, there's so, especially new shows, they, they're always asked to do special events and, you know, it, it takes a toll on your cast because they still have to do their shows at night so you don't want to you don't want to over tie over tire them out so you sometimes you have to think of okay who all right if they're doing that for to the the, the today show then okay what do we want to do for this for the tonys you know so it just depends on and what your what your publicists you know the pr people think would be the best thing to help represent the show, what what will come across best on camera? Because, like I said, the that's what majority of the audience you're going to get is watching it from your television, not not at Radio City. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And do you think that that sort of instinct for knowing where the camera is is something that you've developed or something you just sort of have? Or I I think. I think that's something I've learned over the years of doing, you know, I, I performed on many a Tony's and, you know, watching where the cameras were going, especially the guys who were on stage doing the steady cams, they're literally weaving in and out of you. And um, I think, and also being a dancer, I also know not to shoot anyone who's not a dancer, their full body, if they're dancing, because that will give away that they don't dance. Well, don't shoot the feet unless they're really good dancers. Shoot them from like waist up. <laughs> So that, that I just, I know, I think probably from just watching many, many a movie, you're like, oh God, that person can't dance. But then, you know, like, I'll give you a great example. 
um, Robbie Marshall's um, uh, Chicago, right? Oh. You know, because he, he directed and choreographed and he's the dancer. So he understands what what to hide when you're not a good dancer or, or great dancer and what to accentuate when you are. So if you watch how he sh how he had shot like um, Hot Honey Rag and a lot of times it's just waste up of those two women. Now, Catherine Zeta-Jones is a dancer, but Renee Zellweger is not a dancer, right? So you have to, okay, he, you watch how he he's smart enough to know better what and to what makes them look good and how I mean, Catherine Zane-Jones comes off great because, like I said, she's a dancer. She knows her body. Renee Zellweger, not as much as a trained dancer. So he, when you, but she looks fantastic in the show because mm -hmm. of, because how it's shot. So it's really smart when you, and it's lucky that they had Robbie because of the fact that he is, he understands dance. So, um, so that, you know, you just by watching and learning and, and it's, um, I think that's all through, I think, osmosis of doing it enough times, being in the business as long as I've been. I, like I said, I, you, you take away these little tidbits, right? And you yeah. somehow put them somewhere in your brain or somewhere, and then they come forward when you need them. You're like, oh, right, I know exactly what to do. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, yeah, yeah, it does. So I do want to ask on what your opinion would be as a choreographer on choreographing something that might potentially be dangerous to do. Oh yeah, I'm. You know what? That's 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 a good question. I think uh, that's a good question. Um, I try to think. I don't always, but I try to always think. Okay, this is this is going to be done eight times a week by these dancers, these actors. So what? And and doing anything repetition or any type of repetition is great, but at the same time, it's very bad for your body, right? Um. So that's why when you're, when I would say, when you're doing a Broadway show or, show or a long running show, you should always take class. You should do, because you need to counter what you do on stage eight times a week. So if you do everything on the right side, then go in class and do it on the left. So you, your body levels off, right? But um, I think that I, I try to be mindful of, of what I'm doing that I think, okay, hopefully this is not this is this going to be too dangerous you know and if it is something that i go oh is this too dangerous you know you have to hire the right people when i'm hiring something and i ask dancers i go do you tumble do you do you know do gymnastics and we say to them and they'll say yes because i'll see it on the thing and not whether i use it or not i don't know but it also just makes me go oh okay i have if they do have extra skills i'm like oh, okay i put i you know put that in the back of my head but i always ask and i say this i go not once a week eight times a week tumbling. Are you that proficient in it that I know that you know that you can't get hurt? Do you know what I mean? That you have the technique to back those skills. And if they say, oh, no, I go, no, I'm talking eight times a week tumbling. Do you have the skill set to do that? Because if you don't, then don't, then I don't want to see it. Because I don't want you after two shows go, oh, I'm going to modify that. That drives me crazy. No, if I, it drives me crazy. I'm like, no, no, no. You said you could do this, then you have to be able to do it. Of, of course, unless there's, you know, circumstances you get hurt or some, that, that, of course. But, yeah. but not, don't just say it just to get the job. That, that is a pet peeve of mine. And I've worked with a couple of people that I've said, why are they modifying? Oh, they can't do it. And I go, why didn't they say this to me when I asked this question? You know? Yeah. So I do want to ask next about your first Broadway choreographing job, which was on a clear day. It, that well, it was with with Harry and Jesse and um, 
Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, I, I love that. And that was with Michael Mayer. And, yeah. and yeah, I loved, I see another show. I just, I, I yeah, they hated us. <laughs> I don't know why they just hated us. But it was, you know, it was a, it was a, it was, you know, the concept of the show, which I thought was great. Michael's concept of, of, um, reversing these roles and and I just thought it was a great idea I loved it and I also I mean I created this uh pas de trois with with the three of them uh with David Turner and Jesse Mueller and Harry Connick uh which I'm to this day I'm extremely proud of it was um very storytelling that you understood what was going on they worked there but because the only person who really can dance and Jesse Mueller. Jesse Mueller actually is very, very. She's very malleable. She's one. She was wonderful. Um, but you know, Harry Connick. Harry Harry's got rhythm. There's no doubt about it. I because I've worked. He's got rhythm, and he and he knows how to move his body really well. And David Turner. You know, they but they're not dancers. But to do this pas de trois was very intricate. And we and I said to um, our our producers, I said I need to have them in the room every morning for a good hour to an hour every and they're like really every and I remember the first time we did a run through of the of maybe that after that s- sequence it was a mess it was a hot mess it was a messy 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 and I looked at them I go now do you understand why I have to see them they have to work on this every single day so from that point on every morning from 10 to 11:30 I had them and we worked until it was effortless and it came across it was great that that number got got applause in the middle of the number almost every night you know and I'm not it's not to pat my back but but they those actors worked their butt off to create that that story and it was it was it was fun and they were they worked great together the three of them or, or like from my point of view I thought they did and they and they got along and Harry was great Harry worked his butt off he really did he was he wanted it to be so good. He was, uh, I enjoyed working with Harry. I've, I've worked, like I said, I've worked with him twice and it's been a joy. Yeah. And then um, I do want to ask what it was like to collaborate with Michael Mayer on this show. Oh, I, I love Michael. He's, he's great. Michael's, um, he's, he's a great collaborator, you know, he's, and he's, and he's incredibly honest. Like he'll say, Oh, you know, he's so funny. He's so, we were, I'll never forget. We were, we were teching, I think we were teching Clear Day. We were teching it. And um, he did He did something and he looked at me by the tech table. He goes, what do you think? I was like, I, I'm not sure. I can't remember what it was. I'm just going to make something up. But I think, I, you know, I said, I said something like, I don't know. I think I'm wondering if that should be over there. Or is that better? And he went over the God mic. The mic. He said, okay, stop. Joanne hates it, thinks it's heinous. I was like, I didn't say that. I'll never forget. I go, I didn't say that. He didn't make me laugh. I said, but he's, um, but he's a collaborator. Like he will listen. You know, he has his absolute his own ideas, his own concept. But he, um, he, when he respects you, he he takes what you have to say and takes it in. And so I enjoy. And he's funny. He makes me laugh. And I, I, I really love Michael. And he also gave me my first Broadway show as a, as a choreographer. You know what I mean? He he took a chance on me. And so I will always always be grateful and in debt to him for that. Because because he did that absolutely. To ask um if it's a show that's not only a revival but also has a movie of the show from earlier, would you try to look at a lot of that or none of that or none of that? No, in fact, on a clear day, I I I saw the movie eons ago. But the but this our this particular show, the musical that we did, was so different. But yeah. so we we all approached it as a brand new show. 
as a you know um no i i don't like looking at what was done before i i I prefer not to i prefer to try to see if we can come up with um our own vision of of what it is you know i i i mean i prefer to do new shows rather than revivals uh, because because you have to start from an empty slate which is very much much harder than doing a revival i think not that it isn't it's still hard to do a revival because people have expectations you know um but uh, i like working i like getting a big blank piece of paper and going okay now what do i do <laughs> scary but i i find that challenge um invigorating yeah so i want to ask um what your collaboration has been like with designers over your career oh my goodness i would say i would say most of the time i've gotten along and and loved most of the designers i've worked with i mean there's there has been <laughs> one or two that I, uh, we didn't click you know but um but for the most part you know a, a good designer will will collaborate will you know of course everyone has their um you know the lighting designer they have their ego sound designer have their ego set designers have their ego wardrobe uh, costume designer they are, everyone wants their stuff to be the best but nothing is going to be the best if it's so segregated yeah right it's gonna it's only gonna work if we're all if the goal is the show if the one goal for everybody is putting on the best show that's cohesive you know you could have the best gorgeous costumes in the world but if the show if it doesn't fit the show it's not going to work if if you if you have a designer that comes up with these glorious costumes right but the dancers can't move in them what what is that going to do it's and that's happened a couple of times i go no they can't move in them i was like you got to and, you know, and I would say to dancers, they go, I can't lift my arm. I go, lift it until it rips. <laughs> like, because, to, and that's, you know, and that's a good designer will, you you work together, you know. And I remember I, I worked um, sound designers and, you know, they said, Joanne, is there a way that because sometimes when you're, when you're working like this, the feedback, it's tricky, you know. It's like, if they could just be, I'm just kidding, instead of being like, talk, if they could just be slightly like this. And I go, oh, I can make that work. You know, so you, you collaborate with each other to get the best outcome possible. That's, that's what, that's what makes theaters work. When, when all of those segregated elements come together and, and create the one, the one uh, thing that we're all there to do is the show. The show is the priority is the, you know what I mean? Because when the show succeeds, we all succeed. Yeah. And that leads me into another question, which is if you sort of hear or find that a lot of people are saying about the show, the choreography was the best part. Do you think that that's good or do you think that that's not the goal? Well, of course, your ego would go, well, okay. that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> right? But I mean, yeah, that's, um, I think, you know, I think the goal is that you want the show to be great, all elements of it. Now, some people might go to a show just for the movement and the dance, which is great. I mean, when I first started watching theater, I, 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 I didn't know what else was going on except for dance. That's all I look for because that's what I do, right? And so I was like, I was like, oh, they're singing a ballad. Get off the stage. I want to see the dancers, right? So I think everyone has their their loves in when they go to a, a, to see a musical. What they're going for? Oh, I love big dance numbers. Oh, I love these gorgeous power ballads. Oh, I love the score. You know what I mean? I think everyone has something different that they love about it. But 
your your main objective is that you love the entire piece and everything is great together like i said but your ego someone says oh well thank you of course <laughs> so um because you are a very busy and in demand um choreographer what is your sort of or what is it like to be working on more than one show at once Do, is that something oh it's hard i find it difficult i I can multitask like crazy, Charles, you know, in, but creatively, I, I like to be tunnel vision. Like I want to work on one thing and just be tunnel vision. It's hard for me to, okay, now I've got to think of something else. I don't, it's, I find that incredibly challenging. I, I know people who can do that well. They can have three different projects going at once and, and give their all to each one of them and go, oh my gosh, that's, that's tricky for me. Once it shows up and running, then I, or up in, you know, previews, I go, okay, now I can think of something else, but I've, I've, I've had to do that. Like I have a couple of projects that, you know, we're talking about and it's, it's hard for me because I want to, I want to dedicate 150% of my mind on this one show that I'm working on now, but uh, it's, it's tricky. Like I said, I think some people are better than the others. I, like I said, I want just to, I want to just do this. Yeah. But it doesn't always happen. And you know what, you're, I'm grateful that sometimes I'll, I do have a couple of projects that are in the, in the works, you know what I mean? So that you have to, you have to figure out, you have to make it work. You have to figure it out. And I want to ask if you have a particular venue, either on Broadway or off, that is one of your favorites to work at? Oh my goodness. Well, I think I, love the Martin Beck, not the Martin Beck, the Al Hirschfeld. It used to be called the Martin Beck. I love, that's one of my favorite theaters. I love the St. James and I love the Imperial Theater. I love those three. And I also love the Winter Garden. I had never worked at the Winter Garden until I did School of Rock. And I was like, even though it feels huge, for some reason, when you're on the stage, it's it's actually more intimate than it it seem, it appears because it's very wide. But the hang the hangover of the of the balcony is very close to the stage, so you know what I mean the audience is closer than you think. But I mean, every Broadway house is magical. But uh, yeah, the I think I think the Imperial is special because that was my first Broadway show, right? I was in. I've worked at the the Martin the Al Hirschfeld several times. So I just, I just, I like the vibe. I also like that it's the only theater west of 8th Avenue, right? I like, so something about that, I think that's, I don't know why, I just think that's interesting and fun. And yeah, and I, they hold good memories. And I also know a lot of the crew, or I used to know a lot of crew members that work there, you know, the, the, so that's always nice to know, to go into a theater and know, oh my God, you see the head carpenter you've worked with before. You know, you see the props master you've worked with before. So those are always nice. You know, it's, it feels like a family when you, when, you, uh, when you see that and you're able to work in those spaces. So I would love to talk about the concert that you did of one of my favorite shows, which is She Loves Me. Oh my God. I just, that's a, it's not a great show. That was, that was fun. I was doing that. I did that when I was in previews for school of rock. That was, that was talk that was multitasking, but that was, that was fun. That's such a great, great music. Also, we had great cast. I, I adored that. I, I wish I could have done more, but you know, it was a, it was for their gala. So I did, well, I think I put together like three numbers for that, but it was great. It was, it was very fun. Great, great. It is a great show, isn't it? It's a great show. Great music, great score, great book, fun. Yeah, I was. I enjoyed that very much, and I love working with Paul Gimignani, who's uh, the and musical director. He's just brilliant. Oh, and Scott. Yeah. Ellis, and Scott Ellis, yes, and Scotty, yes. Yeah, it was great. Good, great. Gavin Creel, who I just adore. Yeah, it was a great. 
it was a great cast, definitely. And I know that they um, did end up doing a revival out of that. So- yes, they did. They did. They and they, but the only person they used um, that did it. Oh, they they used Gavin did it, and because I know Kelly O'Hara didn't do it, and uh, oh, maybe who. Jane. Oh, Jane. Jane. Right. Right. So Jane, the two of them did, but everyone else. No, then they, they went with, they went with other people, including myself. (laughs) So I would love to ask next about doing the Nutty Professor, the musical. And I think everyone would want to know first what it was like to work with Jerry Lewis. He, I, Jerry was great. I had, that was my second time working with Jerry because I did Damn Yankees with Jerry. Um, he was so, he was just so fun. I remember they they flew me to Vegas to uh, have a meeting with him in his office and for for two days. And it was he just was so, he's so fun and funny. Oh, I remember walking to his office, Charles, and all this history of him, all these photos of him with all these brilliant stars. You know what I mean of of that era. And it was just great. He's very funny. He knows comedy like nobody's business. He was, he was great. And we got along great. I was very fortunate that, that um, we got along and really, I think he respected me and he, he, he was, he, he left me alone. He just, he, he was very supportive of me. And it, I love that show. And that was Rupert, Rupert wrote that. And that was Marvin's last musical and that score. What it was, it's such a shame. Uh, that score was so great. It's such a shame. I think, you know, I, I don't know those producers. I, I just don't know what happened. It was, it was supposed to always have a future. And then it just, I don't know what happened. It died or if they lost the rights, I'm not really sure, but uh, it was, that was a great, I was very proud of that show. I had great, great. It was a great cast. It was a great collaborative um, effort. Um, actually, Ray Roderick was also was uh, assisting Jerry Lewis. So that was, and Ray Roderick was the first director who who basically said you should choreograph, you know. And so that was fun. It kind of came full circle in that way. But I I loved, I loved that show. I loved. Uh, it was we had fun. And Rupert was so great. I remember, I remember there, there was one number. And uh, when I'm reading, you know, I was reading the script and I was putting it together. And with my dance arranger, who it was David Dabin, and um, I said, something's not right with this number. And I called Rupert and I said to Rupert, I think more lyrics need to be added here. Like you need to say blah, 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 this, 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 before I go into this dance. And he goes, and I talked with him, he get it. And sure enough, wrote it. They, it was, uh, it was so, I mean, that talk about, I mean, you know, here I am saying to Rupert Holmes, who, you know, who's written so much and, and Marvin Hamlish and, and just, um, it was so great. And I'll never forget Marvin Hamlish saying to me, cause Marvin started as a dance arranger. Right. And he said to me, he goes, he said, he said, never stray too far from the me- me- the melody of the music when you're creating music for dance. And I, I always remember that. I've always, always remember that. He was great. Wow. I was so sad when he passed away. Oh, my God. It was a great, it's a great score. It was great, great score. And his wife was so lovely and so supportive. Yeah, that was, that was great fun. I'm really sad that that. Yeah, a lot of like my shows, like that's why I'm saying I love doing original stuff, working on stuff out of town. But it's so hard, to, you know, to get enough funding to come back in. It's just, but that was a that's a show that too bad didn't didn't go anywhere. Yeah. And I do want to ask, since you were talking about Jerry Lewis and how much you liked working with him, what do you think makes an ideal directorial collaborator? Um, I think anybody who's a creator 
to have the courage and the wherewithal to say, I don't know. You know, because you don't know everything. You don't have the answers to everything. And um, I, 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 I say that all the time. I go, I don't know. I said, I don't have the answer right now, but I, I will get back to you. It'll, you know, I'll figure it out, um, I think. And working with anybody to, you know, that's what you do together. You're like, how, this is not working. Why isn't this working? And you, and you powwow and you, you talk about it and you go, Oh, I can, you know what, wait a minute, I can make this work. I think I, I understand. And so that's, that's what, that, that's with your writer. That's with your director. That's with your composer. That's, you know what I mean? Because you can sit in your room and it, it all sounds great by yourself, but then when you get it up on his feet, you're like, Oh, something's, something's not right. Something's not working. So the, 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 the wherewithal to say, I don't know. I don't know the answers. I don't have the answers to everything. And that's why you need your partners in the room to make it happen. Yes. So I know we were talking about um, doing a revival a little bit earlier. And another one you did was Oliver at the end. I, I actually I loved Oliver and I love working with Mark Hobie. Mark Hobie is uh, he's just great. Who is the artistic director, artistic producing director now of Paper Mill? Um, that's a, that's a great that's a great show. And you know it's funny I didn't really know the show. I didn't know the show at all. Uh, I rem- I remember the movie when I was little little, but I hadn't seen. I was like I hadn't seen the movie uh, in years. And I remember reading the script going oh. This is actually a really, I, I didn't think I realized what a, what a great show it was, you know, and there I, I said again, oh my God, I'm working with kids again. I was like, what is it with me and working with kids? But I actually like working with children. I like working with young people a lot. Um, that was great. That was a fun show. And we also we had talented people on that show. That's the one thing, you know, when you work, when you, when you're working at doing a project at Paper Mill, you get, you get top talent there because it's so close to the city. They um, they treat their talent well. They treat their creatives really well. So you you get great you get great people who want to work. So which is great to be able to, to create and and come up with concepts. So yeah, that was a, I I enjoy I enjoyed that. And like I said, I, I really like working with Mark Obi. He's 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 a great collaborator. We work well together. Also, yeah. So I would love to also ask you about a show you mentioned for a little bit earlier, which was Harmony. Oh yes. That was harmony with that. Uh, that's talk about another great score, Barry Manilow's. That score is sensational. And you know what? It's so funny. I didn't know the show, and I remember when I was approached to to do that show, and um, I started doing research, and I was like, it's very hard to find anything about these men. About and then I, I finally found a couple of, of uh, clips, newspaper clips, and then there's a book. And I thought, once I read the story of, of them, I went, how come we don't know the story? It was so sensational. It was so beautiful. I am, his, Barry's score was just brilliant. And he was great. You know, he, I remember talking to Barry on the phone in this one piece. I said, I feel like, I feel like I need some kind of expansion. And he said to me, I don't want to hire a dance arranger, Joanne. I want to do that myself. And I was like, and I thought to myself, what am I going to say? No to Barry Manilow. (laughs) So I said, okay. And I remember speaking with him on the phone and we were talking about this one number and I go, this is what I I was talking to what I think. And I said, it has to have humor here. And I, I kind of talked him through and he wrote something and I went, oh, that's it was perfect. He was he was great. He is a great collaborator, and you you I, I wonder if people think that about him. But I go that's why he's so successful too. He 
he and he loves theater, right? He he always wanted to write for theater, I believe. And and he wrote this this score that was so storytelling and so lush and fun and and had it just it had so much going for it. And the fact that it was a based on six real men who lived during this time, during this really tumultuous, difficult period in our history. I, I it was I found it so profound and so spectacular yeah it's a shame that more people don't know that score have not heard that score yeah i believe that you did the show in two different productions so we did it yeah it was co-produced with the um alliance theater in in atlanta and the amundsen so they co-produced it so we always knew we were going to do the first run there and then i think we had like a short hiatus of three months or something and then go to the amundsen and the new year so it was it was an always a co-produced always a co-produced production yes so when you are doing a show that is about real people, as you were saying, um, do you ever, does that sort of add a new layer in terms of historical accuracy and things like that? I think so. You know, I, I am, because there's, and I'm not the book writer, but because there's, there was very little written and known, especially in our country about them. In Germany, they're very well known. Um, but um, so, you know, there's when you're, I think, my opinion, when you're doing theater, you know, we're not doing a documentary. So it doesn't have to be every, like the movement doesn't have to only be from that period. You know what I mean? It just, if we're doing a documentary, that's a different thing. But you have what I call, or many people call theatrical license. So you have, a, you have a, a license to expand it, to make it um, more that would fit in today's world that you, but still pay respect to the period it was in and what happened during that time. But it, of course, it always helps knowing that these were real human beings that lived, you know what I mean? And that, and that had real true emotions and, and conflict and, uh, and what they went through. And at the time, the one, there was one living, um, um, man that was still living at the time uh, when we did the show. So, you know, he, uh, I, you, we got letters from him, but yeah, it's, it's, so it's always great to have that, that kind of history, you know, to, to look back on and then, okay, what, what, you know, and then it's up to the writer that, okay, how do we make it so that it's a compelling story, that it's a story that t in today's world that we can still relate to, you know, but it was, yeah, I, I just, that story still to me sticks, just sticks with me. Just, it was so, it's just remarkable, remarkable. Yeah. So I would love to ask how you first got involved with doing School of Rock. Uh, um, okay, let's see. So Nina Lannan, who was, uh, was, it was called Nina Lannan and Associates. She's a general manager. She, she retired and now it, her company is called Bespoke. And she, and I've known her since like 1980. 86 I was doing cats and she was she worked at a at a general manager's office called Gatchel Newfeld. So I had I had known her then, you know, not really know her well, but you know knew her of her and and then, you know, she opened her own company which was a big deal for female, you know, in this business. It's just not many who she that was her company and so she called me one day and she said, "Joanne, I um, you're on a short list of choreographers that the director wants to meet and they wanted to have an American team 
They wanted to have an American choreographer. They wanted to have an American designer because they were the director and Andrew, you know, they were British, but they felt because this was an American movie, they felt it was important to open here in New York first and to have an American team. They felt it was very important. So um, I met with Lawrence, the, the, um, kind of the director, and we just got on so well. We met, I was actually during jury, I was in jury duty at the time. And I said, I remember saying, I can't meet him till like six o'clock when I get out of jury duty. So we met and we met at this, um, at this pub called Houndstooth on 8th Avenue and right near, right near Ripley Greer and um, Pearl Studios, 8th and and. 37th street something like that we sat there and three glasses of wine each later then we went to eat and we just and we we barely talked about show business we talked about just life we just we got along he has a great sense of humor i have a good sense of humor we like to laugh we just got along and uh next thing you know they're like yeah he wants you and I just had to get the final approval from Andrew and Andrew approved me. And that's basically where that relationship started from, from those, from that three glasses of wine at the Houndstooth pub in Midtown. <laughs> and I want to ask what it has been like to work with Andrew Lloyd Webber now twice. Oh, my God. you know, it's, um, you're working with an icon, right? It's just like, I, I mean, he, he, that man knows how to write a melody. Right. There's no you walk out of his shows and you can sing his melodies. He's he's great. And you know what? It's funny because I it was it's slightly nerve wracking when I first met him. He's you know, he's incredibly smart and incredibly knowledgeable about the theater. He loves musical theater, loves it. It's um, and but he also will listen to you if you have something, you know, when I was talking to him about music and, and just this one thing I go I would love to have this develop here and and I brought in samples and he he was great let's do it and he he wrote it for me it was so it was it was great when he I think when he respects you he definitely will take a listen and, and he just and he understands collaboration again one of the reasons why he's also so successful he understands that it's not just him that makes a show but it's everything, the book. And he's very, he's very intuitive about story and how it moves and how the music help moves the story. So he's, yeah, he's, I mean, uh, he's, 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 he's Andrew Lloyd Webber. He's Sir Lord Andrew Lloyd Webber. You know, what you can say, but I'm, I'm very, uh, it's been so lovely to, uh, to get to know him more and to work with him. And I'm, I'm grateful that uh, he's brought me on his team. Yeah, absolutely. And what was it like on that show to be working with not just a lot of kids, but kids who had to play instruments on stage? Well, it, f- first of all, it blew my mind. I mean, I remember, Charles, when these kids would come in audition, right? They'd come in and they, the, most of them had never really done any kind of theatrical show, been on stage, didn't know downstage from upstage, stage, right? didn't know anything, right? There were very few kids that were theater kids. And we would, that was a specific, we, that was on purpose because we wanted them to come across as kids, not showbiz kids. Right. And, but I remember them coming in. I remember this one kid. Oh my God. Brandon, he was our guitarist. He played Zach. He, he was nine when he auditioned. He came in and like soloing on the guitar. I, I I was sitting there like this. My mouth was wide open. I went, 
I said, what was I doing when I was nine? I thought, oh my God, it was unbelievable. And they were so charming because they did not really understand the theater, you know, but they were all so game. And it was, it was, it was in a, in one way it was difficult because you really had to teach them from scratch and, 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 and they had to understand the discipline of doing theater, of doing a show eight times a week. And they did, these kids did eight shows a week. They didn't do four and four. They did all eight shows unless they were sick or ill. Um, and it was, it was a hard job, but it was incredibly fulfilling and watching. And now they're all teenagers. They're all, I just like, oh my God, they're all grown up. They're like your age and older. <laughs> I just like, like, how does that happen? <laughs> yeah, you know, that was, they were amazing. They were ridiculous. And then finding kids that ha could understudy. That was, uh, it was, it's, it was not an easy show to cast. Very difficult to cast. And we had great, luckily Tara Rubin casting, and Mary Sugarman, they were brilliant casting. They searched all over this country for kids. They were, we went everywhere uh, to find these, these young talented kids. Yeah, it was not an easy task, but well worth it. So speaking of um, things that could be dangerous, as we were talking about earlier, how did you sort of create that one moment where Alex Brightman would jump off the? <laughs> so, well, here, the thing was Alex, I knew that Alex was, um, could dance. I knew he was very agile, right? So, and he was, and the thing with Alex, uh, what makes Alex, one of the many things that makes him great is that he's, um, he's not afraid. Yeah. He's not afraid. And he would try anything. So, you know, I would say to him, can you jump on this desk? Can you jump over this desk? Can you jump? And so, he, okay. And he was, he would just go for it. And it was, it was thrilling. He, he, okay, I can do this. And he would just do it. He was so, that's what made him so special. And the show was created around him. Absolutely. Because, because he was unafraid. He had, he's fearless. He was absolutely fearless uh, and incredibly talented. And he could sing that material and he played the guitar. He did great. You know, he, he was, um, we were so, we were fortunate. I was fortunate that, that Alex was so game to try and do everything and anything, you know, can you jump off this? Can you stand on this desk? Can you, he was he's like, yes. I mean, it was like, well, I would say that the kids, the kids, of course, they'd say yes. Cause they're, they're, they're kids or anything, but I was like, yeah. So I got very lucky, you know, and Alex, like I said, he's, he, he was, he was, he was great. It was great to create the show around him for sure. Yeah. And I would also like to ask um, why you think it was such a huge success and what do you think made it that? You know what? Well, the movie was the movie was great, right? That movie I remember, but the movie was more a vehicle for Jack Black, right? That put Jack Black on the map, right? It was more, it was his story where what I think that we did right for the musical version is we, it was still, still Dewey, you know, Dewey Finn's story, but, um, you understood the background of the young people. There was a little bit more background about them. And so I think that made his arc, Dewey's, Finn's arc, even better, even more poignant because of the kids' backstory and what they, what he did for them and what they did for him. So I, that's why I think, and young people could relate to that more than just the movie. Where the movie, I think, the movie was definitely, I think, more adults for adults, where I think the musical was more adults and young people, because there were enough great, funny moments, jokes for the adults, but also that young people could relate to it and, and um, 
you know, like the song, if only you would listen to, to understand um, that just because you're 10 doesn't mean that you don't have a voice, that you don't have an opinion, that you're what you what you feel and think isn't important. I think that's an important thing to say and that young young people can relate to and adults can go, oh, shoot, just because my kid's 10 years old doesn't mean he doesn't have feelings and he doesn't have uh, his own opinion on something. So I think that's what we did right in that. I'm going to move. I'm gonna, Here, walk with me. I'm going to move into the sun. <laughs> But that's what I think we did right in in that show, for sure. Yeah, and I love that show. I saw it three times, actually. Did you really? Oh, I wish I would have known you then. I would have taken you backstage and, <laughs> oh, that's what, it, it's a, it was a fun show. It was really well done. Did you see Alex the whole time or did you see other Deweys do the well, show? I saw other, I think I saw him maybe twice and then one other, one other. Okay. Hi, buddy. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was terrific. He was terrific in the show. He was. He was. Yeah. I would love to ask you um what your opinion is on reviews because I know you worked on a lot of ex oh. <laughs> Look at me. That's my that's my opinion. Listen, I know <laughs> I I know that they're there. Um I do not read reviews. I haven't read a review in since on a clear day. I, I remember reading one review. One review did not say nice things about me. And then another review said lovely things. And I remember thinking, well, if I believe the good review, then I have to believe the bad review. And when you see something that's not favorable written down, it's hard. And yeah. I thought, you know what? From that point on, I went, I this is not this is not good for my psyche. It's not good, and uh, even though it's nice to, it's of course it's nice to read something nice about yourself. Of course, we all want that, right? But I do think, well, if I believe this, then I got to believe the guy or the woman who didn't like it, right? Um, and you just you can't you can't. I don't think you can go into a project hoping that you're going to get a good review. You go into a project. I don't think about. The review. I don't think about press. I don't think about opening night. I just think about doing the work because if you think about that, then you're not going to, then your work's going to suffer. So I think, uh, you know, it's just like, I, I don't think about any of that when I'm putting a show together. I don't, I think most people don't, you, you can't, there's not enough, you don't have enough brain space. You've got to, you've got to get the job done. You know, hopefully it's accepted that people like it, that people buy tickets, that people want to come, that it runs, that you make money, that you can pay your bills. Yeah, of course, all of those things you hope for. But I don't think it's something that you can think about and dwell on or worry about when you're creating because it will it will stifle you. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't I, I, I don't like some I'll read this. Um, there's a website. Actually, my my husband, Brian, told me about it's called did he did he did he like it he did it no what is it called he did he like it that's what it is did he like it and all it does is it show this caricature on a fence with either a thumbs up a thumbs down or just sitting and i'll look at that and i'll just go like this oh and that's it i won't read them i'll go oh mostly thumbs up okay great that's what i'll do I, but i won't read what they they say yeah yes so i would love to also ask about the other broadway show you choreographed which was disaster oh, that was so fun that was right oh my god that was talk about that was right after we opened school of rock oh 
right after. Yeah, that was that was fun. That was um, Seth Rudesky. Fun. I remember when he called me up and um, and James Wesley, his his partner, his husband, uh, called me up and they sent me they had done like a concert version of it and actually i saw an off-broadway version of it years ago and i remember going oh my god this is so funny and clever i didn't remember it well but i remember thinking this is really funny and and so they sent me a concert version they did in la uh with it and i remember watching i said i said seth this is so clever it's so funny and so clever and uh, and they you know they got backers and producers to do a full fledged Broadway show and it was so fun because again it was all this you know eighties um, mostly eighties music right I think so and and um, and just was so fun to create dance for that I just remember thinking this I, I, I it was a great time it was great it was tricky because um, we didn't have a lot a lot of rehearsal time and we. It was uh, our director. He was great. Uh, he also co-wrote it. Great, 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 great. But we're there. He had not done a full-on big musical before, you know. So that was, you know, so he was learning the ropes at the same time. But he was great and smart, smart. But it was that was so much fun. I really enjoyed. It. I think that I think that show would have run longer. I think. And listen, I don't know anything about marketing. It's not what I do. But I I do feel like they marketed the wrong demographic. You know, I think a lot of things went out to, if I remember like the Upper East Siders, and I thought, this is not, this show is like bridge and tunnel crowd. This is, you know, this is touristy show. It's, it's, it's not, it's not high art, but it is fun and clever. And I feel like, I feel like we marketed it to the wrong demographic, which, which is really sad because it was so, so clever, funny, funny, great people oh my goodness it was just just a the, every day I just oh my god we'd just laugh in rehearsal it was hysterical we did we had a great I had a great time doing that it was really fun really fun I would love to ask what it was work what it was like to work with that I think it would be fair to say all-star cast definitely oh it was great I mean a lot of my work before like Faith Prince I worked with before so I knew her uh we had done um, well, my first Broadway, Jerome Robbins together, and we'd done Guys and Dolls. So that was my third project with Faith. So that was great. And she's just great, you know, and, and I know Faith can move. Faith can, you know, she's, she doesn't have two left feet and she had that big tap number. She was so, she was great. It was, um, they were all so game to do and try anything, you know, and that, again, another, a, a group of people that were yes people that said, okay, yeah, I'll try it. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, all of them were game, you know, including Seth. Seth was just, he was so funny and, and having him dance and he, he was, it was really talented. And Rachel York, who I just, that was the first time I ever worked with Rachel. And I just, I just fell in love with her. I thought she was, she, she's a brilliant woman, brilliant and funny and kind and will try anything and works her butt off. So that was, I, I really, yeah, it was, it was a good, it was great. That's a group of people that are professionals that were like, yes, we're going to do it. You know what I mean? That's what, that's what makes the difference. It really does. There's my dog again. <laughs> so I want to ask when you're doing a show like that, that's so funny, as you said, um, do you think that the choreography itself can or should be funny? Oh yes, I love humor in my choreography. I'm big on humor, and I I think I do humor very well. I um no, no I, I yes, it has to have it has to have a sense of humor. Otherwise, it won't match the piece, right? 
it wouldn't match it would not match the piece at all so uh, abs absolutely absolutely so I would love to talk to you about um, two of your upcoming projects. And one of them is Love Life, which you were going to do at Encores. Yes. Oh, that was, we, yeah, we did one run through, which we weren't even ready. And that was, the, that was our last, our last day. Yes. I think we're supposed to do it. Vicky, because Vicky Clark, our director, she, I love her. She's brilliant. She, um, I think, when are we slated to do it? Next year or Two years from now, I don't know. Uh, I was like, oh my gosh! But it was, you know, it's so funny. I didn't, I didn't know the show at all. There's no, there's no um, um, archival of that show at all. And uh, so when I remember reading the script, and they worked on the script and tightened it, and it was, uh, it was such an interesting piece of material, you know. And also the first time, um, uh, Lerner and uh, Kurt Weil. It was the only collaboration they did together. And it was, it's so interesting because it, it, um, it's very Americana, and, but it had all these vaudeville numbers that, which I love that were interspersed within the show that, that reflected and, and commented on what was going on in the times. And it was great. It was, I, I, it was such a challenging job for me, but I loved it because stylistically it was all over the map. It was right up my alley. I really enjoyed that. And we had great, oh, we, I can't believe we put that together in such a short time. And then we never got to perform it great group of people oh my goodness the talent it was and they talk about having to work hard i mean it was and a lot of these guys were not dancer dancers but they're they're in everything and so it was it was it was it was fun it was a great piece it i mean i hope we get to do it because it's an interesting piece that nobody really knows which is which i love so yeah hopefully hopefully that will happen 2020 I can't remember I know that they did set a date but I can't remember what it was <laughs> and I would love to ask um what it's like to stage for a theater like city center which is so huge and has so many seats and yes I well the thing is you know because most of the time when they do encores the audio the um your your orchestra is on stage so they take up two thirds of the space of the stage. So we, in reality, we don't have a lot of space oh. to perform. It's because the, 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 um, the band takes up, I mean, there's like, it's like 30 piece, you know, orchestra, it's huge, right? So they basically take up the whole stage and we have maybe, I don't know, 10 feet of depth. So, but um, I know it's, it, but our, the set was great. I loved everything about it that, you know, that should have happened or will happen again. Um, but you know, the, I mean, the thing is, the those city center encores, everyone knows what to expect. You know, they know that the, that always the band is on stage. Um, they know that sometimes you're on book, sometimes you're not on book. So all of that is accepted, even though more and more they're doing it. Their actors are are off book. You know, it's a when it was originally done nobody was off one production number now the whole show is staged no it's very different than what it used to be but um the thing is that the stage is really wide but we don't have depth so we keep what's what's great is it keeps everything really close to the audience which is great especially when you're doing something with that's got comedy in it you want it really close to the audience so which is a great thing so that's a good thing absolutely yeah. and i would love to ask also about victoria clark because i know most people would think of her as Broadway star Victoria Clark, but to work with her as a director. She was great. I remember when Vicky um, called me about this and we met a couple times and, and, you know, I worked with Vicky 
we did How to Succeed and Guys and Dolls. I, so I had worked with Vicky twice before also. And it was, she's, she's a smart woman, smart woman, also incredibly collaborative. She, because this would, you know, that's another sad thing. This was going to be a big deal for her. Because this would have been a first, like, big, big directorial thing that New York City was going to see. And they will see. And um, But she was incredibly collaborative. We talked about the show and script all the time. We met, I, we would go to, I'd go to her apartment, she'd come to mine. We would talk about the script, where it was going all the time. Very, she was incredibly collaborative, informative, always kept everyone in the loop. It was great. I enjoyed working with her. And I hope that I get to work with her again. Because I, I really... I really and she's also fun she's a great gal she's really really great gal so yeah yeah and then I would love to ask about Cinderella and so how did this first come about for you well I knew I knew that Andrew had always or I didn't know if he always but he had mentioned me a while back that he always wanted to write his own Cinderella. He's always been a fan of the RNH Cinderella and the music. Like he believes he's the um he says in his book he's the he's the finest melodist of the 20th century. So he's, you know, he that's what I mean, he grew up loving American musical theater. Loved, you know, he respected it. So he I remember when he was writing and he approached me and um Lawrence, the director, that he wanted he wanted us to be on the team. So, you know, and that was earlier. That was when I was still, we were still mounting um, um, School of Rock in London. So that was a long time ago. And and then about a year and a half ago, God, maybe it was two years ago, I was uh, invited to come to London to see a, uh, they had done just like a, a simple reading, sing-through of the show, you know, early, early, early on, very little staging, if any. And I remember thinking, oh, this is funny. Oh, this is, this is, I didn't know how different this was going to be, this Cinderella was. I was like, and, uh, and then, and they've been working on this book and Emerald Fennell, who was writing the book, who just got an Oscar nod for her, for her movie. Um, So, and then I was just there for about two and a half, well, when we first time we talked and we did a, a workshop. And so that's how it happened. And the more I'm involved, the more excited I am about this project because it's very, very different. It's not the typical story. It's very contemporary. The music is all over the place. It's, there's a big rock and roll number in it. There's a contemporary, more contemporary feel to it. There's the ball, which is definitely more traditional, which I think is, uh, if, I don't know this for a fact, but if I were a betting person, I would say, oh, this is this is Andrew's nod and bow to uh, RNH's, you know, um, uh, Cinderella. It's beautiful. The the it's beautiful what he did, but it's very traditional sounding. Where so the the uh, which I love the music is all over the place, but it's but it's still incredibly cohesive. Um, yeah, it's really I I, um, I I God I hope we I hope we get this up this summer in the in the in London. That's the goal, and then hopefully it'll come it'll come here. So yeah, but it, it's it's I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Yeah, I really am. And- I'm very lucky. And what was it like to be doing that rehearsal in London with COVID and everything? Oh my God, Charles, it was sensational. You know, um, I I knew I missed doing what I do, but there were a couple times I thought, well, maybe, maybe it's time, maybe I just, maybe this is okay, you know, just to relax. And and when I got there, of course, I had a I had a quarantine for five days, and I'm te- we were tested every other day, the whole company every other day, and to be able to be 
uh, I was actually, they, they made a space for me on the stage of the Royal Drury Lane Theater. So I got to be on that stage. They, I said, I need mirrors. They set mirrors up for me, lights, everything. And to have, I had four to six dancers and we couldn't touch. We were not allowed to touch. We couldn't do any, I couldn't do any partnering, yeah. but I could work with them in the room. We, none of us had, we stayed, we stayed six, over six feet apart, but, and we were tested, like I said, everyone was tested every other day and there was no fallout at all. And it was just thrilling. And also I think the dancers were so excited to, to get up in the morning and to have a place to go. They're, yeah. oh, they're, you know, in a schedule. And I, it was, it was more exhilarating than I anticipated. I was, I thought, oh, I miss it. I was like, when it was over, I went, oh, even though I miss being home, I go, I, I want to keep going. Cause I was like, oh, my creativity was, my juices were flowing again. And I, I was nervous that they weren't going to be able to, I said, I hadn't done it in almost a year. I was like, I, I, I don't know if I can still do this. So it was uh, so thrilling. I'm so lucky that I had that to do that, but I really wanted to not come back even, I mean, I did want to come back, but I didn't at the same time. <laughs> So I would love to ask you as sort of a final question, because you're one of the few people who has seen it happening. How do you think that theater can come back from all this? You know, what? I think it's going to be different here in New York than it will be, I think, in other places. Um, I think in, in London, you know, we have to be careful. We have to be smart. It's not going to just pop back. We have to, you know, our, our audiences have to be smart, um, whether they have to be masked when they're in the, uh, the house, that's po that's possible. Uh, I think the UK is rolling out their vaccines faster than we are. I mean, I think we're getting better now that we have a new administration and, and we have a game plan. I think, you know, definitely things are getting better and you see that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but, you know, theater, especially in your theater, it's, you know, it's a, it is a commercial thing. And uh, I think they're worried about doing it only with half capacity. I have I have very different attitude on that. I feel like why not do it at half capacity? Everyone just take a, a minor pay cut for, you know, a month at a time and, and just get people back in the theater, back feeling safe in the theater, back wanting to come back to the theater, which is what I think they're doing in, in London. I think, you know, and I, I, a lot of that is, is kudos to, um, to Andrew because he's on the forefront of getting theater up and running. He's very vocal. He's, uh, in touch with his government all the time. I, I mean, he's very vocal about getting theater up and running. Um, I feel like more than we are right now, especially in New York, I think theater, I think the regional theaters, might come, might start happening before New York theater will, um, uh, just because, you know, New York is so clustered, you know what I mean? Uh, and uh, outdoor theater should happen. There's no reason why we cannot be performing outside, I think, uh, you know, because you're outdoors, I think being outside, the air, air quality, you have fresh air all the time. So uh, yeah, it's going to be tricky, but it can be done and it should be done. And it, and it has to be done. <laughs> it just has to be because you don't realize how therapeutic it is, you know, whether it's just therapy of laughing for two hours or crying or, or just having fun and forgetting real life or having theater that makes you think and reflect. I mean, that's what it does. It does all of those things and it, it helps heal us. And we need some healing right now. It's one of the art is, is something that can help us all heal and come together. And it's so important. And I wish our country respected that a little bit more like other countries do yeah. you know 
but it ha it has to come back because it just has to. <laughs> That's what I say. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this interview. I'm so glad to have been able to talk to you. You are so welcome, Charles. It was my pleasure. And awesome. Listeners, thank you for tuning in, and I hope you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. I also hope you'll tune back in next time when 2022 starts off right on Backstage Babble with an interview with a very special surprise guest. Your only hints are that he's a design legend, and he recently had a wonderful book published featuring his designs. You won't want to miss this. Thanks for listening.